Hey, I'm Mary Ellen Dance, licensed mental health counselor and owner of Pittsburgh Therapy. I'm on a mission to strip away the stigma surrounding therapy and mental health and talk about how we can use the culture of self-improvement for our benefit rather than our demise. I used to think I was doing life all wrong, from getting fired from a dream job to advising clients on relationships while I myself was trying to sort through that dumpster fire. But then I realized my imperfections are what made me a good therapist. So join me on a journey, not to be perfect, but to be, well, okay-ish. Welcome, your session has now started. Hi, thanks so much for joining me here today. I am so excited to be chatting with you again. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, please hit the subscribe button. The podcast gurus really, really like that. I wanted to talk to you all today because I have been getting a lot of questions lately, which I absolutely love. Keep them coming. If you have questions for me, you can reach me on Instagram at okayishpodcast. Or you can go to okayishpodcast.com and submit a question anonymously, which is pretty cool. But I've been getting a lot of questions recently about kind of like fact-checking questions. Like people have been sending me things like, I heard this once, is it true? Or I can't really remember where I heard this, but I want to know more information about that. And a lot of the things that people sending me are not necessarily accurate. Or maybe there's a piece of it that's accurate, but it's not totally accurate. And I love that people are asking me questions because I love to talk to people, but also because it shows that we're not just believing everything we see. There's nothing that drives me more crazy than someone saying, I saw this on Instagram, or my students know that they're not allowed to say in class. Well, I heard on TikTok, because I will ask them to leave the class, because I think that's just absurd. Anyways, so because I've been getting a lot of these kind of fact-checking questions, I decided to do a whole episode about it. So we're going to do a little true or false psychology edition. I'm so excited. And listen up, because I am sure that you've heard of some of these before. I am sure that there are things that I'm going to go through that you're going to be like, huh, I just kind of always assumed that was true. And maybe it is, maybe it's not. I don't know. You'll have to listen to see. All right. So here we go. True or false. Okay. Fact number one, people only use 10% of their brains. Anyone have any guesses? That is false. That is incredibly false. We already make dumb decisions using more than 10% of our brains. So imagine what types of decisions we would be making if we used only 10% of our brains. We would not be getting much done. The reason people think that this one is true is because a famous psychologist, like one of the founders of you know, psychology and psychological theories. His name was William James. He said this, and he never meant people to take it literally. The point that he was trying to get across is that we have a lot more potential, and we often don't live up to our potential in terms of using all of our brain capacity and using the skills we're given and the talents we're given and the the intelligence we're given, right? And that part's true. A lot of us are are not living up to our potential, are not using all of our capacities. 
But that doesn't mean that we only use 10% of our brains. We we kind of use all of our brain. We kind of need all of it. All the parts of our brains, you know, work together. But yeah, using only 10% of our brains is false. <laughs> all right. Fact number two. This is a funny one. Ink blot tests reveal a lot about one's personality. So ink blot tests, you know, those like white pieces of paper that just have like a, a mess of a blot of ink on them and you show them to someone and that person says, oh, this is my father murdering my mother. False. They don't work. They do not work at all. TV shows and movies like to use ink blot tests a lot because they're kind of funny. You know, you can kind of make it funny, like showing someone just like a blob of ink and having them respond with something kind of wild is a funny thing to think about. They don't tell us really anything about anyone. They were originally developed by Freud. We've probably all heard of Freud, probably seen pictures of the big old white guy, right? He actually um, developed these ink black tests and he originally used them to help diagnose schizophrenia. They don't actually work. They're not based in evidence. They're up for interpretation, which means that it's not reliable and valid. I don't want to take a test and have someone judge me by this test. And then the next person could judge me completely differently on what I scored, right? One person could say, oh, you're totally fine. And the next person could say something completely different. So they're not scientific. They're not based in evidence. They can be interesting for sure, <laughs> but they don't actually reveal a lot to us. They're not actually really used today other than maybe, you know, an interesting conversation starter. It can be, you know, an interesting to explore, but it doesn't actually like statistically tell us anything. Oh, fact number three is a good one. People with schizophrenia have multiple personalities. Actually, the person who sent me this fact actually had a different question, <laughs> which I was able to answer. Um, but but they started by saying, you know, so I know that people with schizophrenia have like multiple personalities. And I was like, oh, wait, no, no, they don't. Don't think that. So this fact is false. It is not true. There is a disorder called dissociative identity disorder. It was previously called multiple personality disorder. In that disorder, people, people do have multiple personalities. Schizophrenia is a completely different disorder from that. They're, they're two completely separate things. Some of the symptoms of schizophrenia are hearing voices, but the person with schizophrenia knows that they're hearing voices. They don't think that they're that person, right? With dissociative identity disorder, they completely switch identities and like act like that person. Someone with schizophrenia, however, they might hear voices, but they know they know who they are and they know that that's a voice in their head. Okay. Are we seeing a pattern yet of these facts? <laughs> Let's keep going. Okay. Fact number four. Hypnosis can be used to retrieve suppressed memories. So I actually just talked about this in my Psych 101 class that I teach. Hypnosis is like one of those like kind of weird things because lots of people have different views on it. It's very wildly debated. At least for me, it's pretty confusing. You know, when I was in high school, we had like a hypnotist like come to our high school as like entertainment and then you hear it being talked about as like a treatment so so it's a confusing thing 
And, and scientists disagree on it too. One scientist thinks one thing, another scientist thinks a different thing. However, all scientists agree that hypnosis does not help people access repressed memories. There's no evidence to this. And scientists, even who don't fully agree on what hypnosis is and what it works for, agree on the fact that it does not do that. Fun fact, scientists also agree that hypnosis will not make you do things that you wouldn't do not under hypnosis. What I mean by that is like, if you have like very good morals and think that stealing is wrong and someone places you under hypnosis and and the hypnotist says to you, go rob a bank, you still would not go and rob that bank. Like you still have like free will and you would not make those decisions. Now, some people confuse hypnosis with something called EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy. I always need to like take a breath after I say that. Um, If you go back to an episode I did in May of 2021 called All About Trauma, that will help because I talked about EMDR a lot then. EMDR is a trauma therapy and EMDR also doesn't really unlock memories, but a lot of the time people who are going through EMDR will start to remember things. But basically people start to remember things when their brain is ready to remember things. I've talked about before how I think repressed memories are like the coolest thing ever. It's literally your brain saying like, you can't handle this. So I'm going to protect you from it and forget it. I think it's so cool. So most scientists agree that, you know, people will not uncover repressed memories until, until they're ready. And usually that takes, you know, therapy and a lot of time to process these things. Okay. So fact number five, some people are, are right-brained and some people are left-brained. This fact is also very false. (laughs) Some things, like some um, activities, like motor activities, occur more on one side of the brain than the other. But personality does not come from one side of the brain. Plus, the brain... The brain needs both sides to work together for, like, fully functioning things. Like... A lot of times one side of our brain like processes something and then the other side of our brain helps us to like take action on it. Like the the two sides have their own functions, but they work together. There's this thing in all of our brains called the corpus callosum that connects the two hemispheres of the brain. And the corpus callosum's main function is to, you know, have the two sides of the brain communicate with each other. So, no, you being organized has nothing to do with being right-brained or left-brained. We all use both sides of our brain. Hate to break it to you. Okay, fact number six. I hope I've shocked you guys a little bit so far, but this next one, I love to talk about. Fact number six, opposites attract. False. Here's the thing that I want you all to know. Opposites don't like each other. Have you ever met someone and you're just totally different people and you don't like each other? Yeah. Opposites don't really like each other. And I've said that to people before and they're like, oh, but, you know, my spouse and I love each other and I'm organized and they're not. Okay. That doesn't mean you're opposite. You probably have similar values and habits and motivations and goals and, you know, all that stuff. The number one indicator of who we fall in love with, this is just kind of a fun fact to talk about around this, is uh, proximity. That's the number one indicator. 
So if any, you know, handsome, well-established, emotionally stable men are listening, can you move closer to me so I can meet you? Because <laughs> that's the number one predictor. <laughs> this myth, again, I've never really understood this myth because opposites don't really like each other. They don't really get along. So it's kind of a weird myth. Okay, fact number seven. Eyewitness testimonies work. So you know when they bring someone in to identify someone. So let's say, let's say someone was robbed and they bring in 10 people and they put the person who's robbed like behind a glass window and they look at the 10 people and say, okay, identify who robbed you. That's an eyewitness testimony. And it is false. They do not work, which is so wild to me. Like it just shows how how our brains, when we're in like fight or flight mode, when we're going through, you know, when we're being the victim of a crime, we're not processing things properly that we, we can't even like pick out a perpetrator. This even happens, you guys, this happens with sexual abuse where they identify the wrong person. And there's like, I am not an expert in the law, but there's, there's a lot of reasons why. One of the reasons is because First of all, our memories are not accurate. None of our memories are accurate. We remember things all differently. I can have the exact same experience as the person, the next person, and we can remember it differently because we all, you know, perceive things differently and understand things differently. So our memories aren't accurate. Plus, people get manipulated, right? So an interviewer might say to the victim, you know, are you sure it's not that person? Or they might also tell the people that are standing with the perpetrator, you know, act this way, act guilty, act innocent, make this facial expression, do this. So I looked it up. Roughly 69% of wrongful convictions are related to false eyewitness testimonies. Isn't that wild? I think that's wild. I think we should, you know, come up with maybe a better way to do that. But I don't know. What do I know? So I have three facts left, and I want to let you know that the last three facts are probably the most important. Well, to me and with what I do, all of these facts are important. But the last three facts I really, really want you to listen to. So fact number eight, mentally ill people are dangerous. This is very false. This is incredibly false. I cannot say that enough. Having someone who is mentally ill be dangerous is actually very rare. It can happen. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. Of course it happens, but it's actually very rare. All the studies on this show anywhere between like 5 to 10% of people who are mentally ill have actually been convicted of a crime or accused of a crime. And those statistics probably aren't even accurate because those don't separate who is on alcohol and drugs. So if somebody is mentally ill and they are on drugs and they commit a crime, is that drug because of their mental illness? Is that drug because of the intoxication that they were under? You know, it could be probably a mix of both. But it is so important to know because... People hear certain diagnoses, you know, typically not like anxiety or depression, but people will hear diagnoses like schizophrenia, like bipolar disorder, like uh, dissociative identity disorder, right? These really, really scary diagnoses, and they'll think the person's dangerous, and it's just not true. 
Mentally ill people are actually way more likely to be victims of crimes than perpetrators because certain mental illnesses can make us susceptible to to certain things. And so people are are way more likely to be victims than than perpetrators. I also want to note on that, I know someone with bipolar disorder. And when they were diagnosed with bipolar disorder, they literally asked their doctor, so does this mean I'm dangerous? Having a mental illness doesn't just make you a different person. It doesn't make you dangerous, right? This person thought that because they had heard bipolar disorder in relation to crimes. But that's just, it's not true. And it also doesn't you're you're still you're still a person first. You're a person first and foremost with with free will and choices and personality no matter what. All right. Fact number 9 definitely goes along with the last fact I just said and that is mentally ill people never recover. This is false. This is very very false. And let me tell you why. Many mental illnesses are single episodes, meaning that the mental illness occurs it's treated and it doesn't happen again. Like think of someone um, who is in remission from cancer. They had cancer, it was treated, they're in remission. Lots of mental illnesses can be recurring, but it doesn't mean that they will be, right? So if you think of comparing it to a physical illness, comparing it to like arthritis, right? Symptoms of arthritis can kind of come and go. That happens a lot, especially with things like anxiety, depression, I struggle with anxiety and there's certain things that go on in my life that maybe make me more susceptible to having symptoms of anxiety come back. If I'm going through something really stressful, I'm probably going to have more symptoms of anxiety come back during then, but it doesn't mean that they will either. Serious mental illnesses that I've been talking about, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, they are treatable. Meaning that even if the disorder doesn't necessarily always go away, the person can live with little to no symptoms through proper treatment, medication, therapy, all of that. But people think like, oh, this person has a mental health disorder. They're they're always going to be like that. And that's just, it's just wildly untrue. People can live with little to no mental health symptoms if they get the proper treatment. Treatment, access to healthcare, all that good stuff. One of the reasons I'm doing this podcast, right? Education, all of it. All right. And then for the last fact of the day, fact number 10, I'm guessing that you have already probably guessed that it's false since all of these quote unquote facts have been false. (laughs) But fact number 10 is it's a bad idea to talk about suicide if you're worried a person is suicidal. So this is wildly, wildly false. This is actually a really dangerous assumption because talking to someone who's suicidal about it can help them. Because typically, people who are suicidal feel pretty alone. And being able to talk to someone about it can actually really, really help them. Now, I will mention kind of a a caveat to that is that teenagers especially are very susceptible to something called modeling, which is they see a suicide on TV or in a movie, and then they model or copy that behavior and do it themselves. So teenagers are really susceptible to that. We Actually, we all are susceptible to that, but especially teenagers. So we do have to be careful of that. I don't remember the statistic, but the week after Marilyn Monroe died, like suicides were up like 10% or something. So we do tend to copy 
But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't like show videos of someone, you know, completing suicide, but talking about what it means, talking about reasons to be alive, talking about, you know, the fact that you are there for the person and can listen to them, talking about resources, asking the person how they feel. All of that is incredibly, incredibly helpful. So, Typically, when we don't talk about suicide, it's not because the person who's feeling suicidal doesn't want to talk about it. It's because we're uncomfortable with it. So if we can get more comfortable asking questions, providing resources, all of that, that can help the person feel feel less alone. So this is the, the end of my true or false psychology edition. All of these were false. At some point, I will do a true or false psychology edition with some true facts. <laughs> But there were a lot of false ones today that I wanted to make sure that we set the record straight on because that's what it's all about here at OK-ish is to know that it's okay to not know the answer and ask these questions and learn and understand. Please keep sending me in questions. I absolutely love it. And maybe we can do another kind of true-false episode again soon. But in the meantime, you know, just keep being okay-ish. Please follow me wherever you're listening to this podcast and on Instagram at okayish podcast. Also, I would love it if you could rate the podcast and leave a review. The best way to get in contact with me is to go to okayishpodcast.com and submit a comment question. You can do it anonymously too, which is so great. I will see you guys next Monday. I can't wait.